Morning Liberty. Well, hello there. This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and with me, of course, is Charlie. I decided not to interrupt you this time. Thank you. I saw you about to talk, and I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, I went to do it, and I was like, man, I guess once enough. How was your weekend? It was glorious. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. We were still recovering from your deathly sickness that you gave us. I know. I'm sorry. I got, like, everyone I know sick. In fact, so much so that my girlfriend wasn't able to make it to my nephew's one-year-old birthday party. Oh, man. Because she had a fever the night before. Too sick. Can't go around one-year-olds with fevers. Well, I'll... That's I appreciate rule. her. Thank you for not having to go to that. Yeah. So you're welcome. You're yeah. welcome in advance. Hey, um, people need to hit subscribe. They need yeah. to hit that button. Says subscribe. If you're listening on Apple, which it seems like most of you are, uh, go ahead and check out that button. Says subscribe. That will bring this episode directly to you. Every new episode, as soon as we release it, it's going to say, hey, these guys have a new episode. So if you know. you're just if you're just sitting there thinking to yourself, what's one thing that I can accomplish today that's worthwhile? Yeah. If nothing else in your life right now is worthwhile, hitting that subscribe button would be worthwhile. I promise you. Yeah, and it's good to set an obtainable goal. You know, it's good to set yourself a goal that you can hit, and that's one of them. If your goal is to hit subscribe today, it's not that hard, and you'll achieve that, and you'll feel better for yourself for having done that. I actually disagree formally. Really, formally disagree? Well, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a formal plea to okay. say that you should have a higher goal of learning about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Well, that's why they're here. And a step that gets you towards that ultimate goal is hitting that subscribe button. True, that's and telling part, it's one of the steps, and telling some friends about it. Yeah, I think you got. You're working on a 12 step process. I am. That might be one of the steps. Yeah, we got this under wraps right now. I'm not going to tell them what it is. It's just telling them about a process that you're coming up with. I am. We are writing. This applies to business. This applies to life. It's a great process. Working on a book right now. I'll give you 10% of it. Okay. I appreciate that. That's generous. That's generous. Um, I'll keep being paid for writing it. So, I mean, that's a pretty good upfront. Are you going to tell them what it is? So, no, no, no. Oh, okay. No, working on a very important book right now that I actually think is going to be, I think it's going to be a big deal. So, I'm really excited about it. But, anyway, one thing I looked at this weekend, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's this documentary on Netflix. Is this how your weekend went? This was my weekend. So I was hanging out with some family and we're just watching some random stuff. And one of the things we just turned on Netflix and I turned on this documentary on Netflix uh, about Bill Gates. It's called like Inside Bill's Brain or something like that. All about greedy capitalism. Just about the terrible nature of capitalism and all the terrible things that's doing to the world. I bet. Yeah. So that's what you would normally expect from a documentary on Netflix, because that's typically what they will release. But I was actually pretty happy about this one because they released this whole documentary and it's it's three episodes, like three hour long episodes. And they basically talk about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and all of the good things that they're doing around the world to try to eradicate different diseases, uh, all of the philanthropic things that that they are doing. That's uh, Bill and his wife, Melinda. Um, all the things that they are doing to try to help the world, including climate change, uh, disease eradication. Uh, they're working in education in different countries, including this one. All kinds of all kinds of things they're using that money for. That's pretty cool. It is. So they've got quite a bit of money behind this foundation. And now we've we can talk about the the reason that some people create foundations. You know, and what would that be? You think? 
Uh, to evade taxes. Yeah, yeah. So if you think about, um, oh, I don't know, the uh, the Clinton Foundation comes comes to mind. Um, you know, when you create a a uh, foundation that is going to be doing philanthropic works around the world, you can just take your money in through that foundation, and you can live off of that foundation and never have to pay taxes on the money. You're tax exempt. <laughs> yeah. If everything you go do. Uh, involves you doing some kind of work for that foundation at some point in time, then you can take your uh, Clinton Foundation-funded private jet or whatever around the entire world and just live off of it. Yep. You know? So um, some people... Just earmark those expenses as this is part of the foundation. Some people do that. And by the way, I mean, they're doing that to get away from taxes. I mean, good for them. Yeah, (laughs) can't blame them. I don't know. Just don't tell me. I had enough money to start a foundation. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me that, that I'm evil for trying not to pay taxes, you know, when, when you're doing that, but, and maybe Bill and Melinda Gates started this foundation to shelter some money from taxes. I don't know that the foundation actually does own quite a bit of Microsoft shares. Like that's what a lot of their value is in. And since those are... I didn't know foundations could own Yeah, they actually... Shares. The foundation itself owns stock in, I want to say, 11 or 12 different companies. Huh. Something like that. That's news to me. Yeah, so a lot of their income can from Microsoft, obviously, that Bill Gates started, can come in through that foundation with his, with his ownership and shares that are now owned by that foundation. So there's a lot of money in it. And this is something that we talk about all the time because we're always here promoting capitalism, talking about all the good things that capitalism has done for the world and all the things that it can continue to do for the world. And then we get this nice documentary on Netflix talking about what Bill Gates, who uh, I don't know if he's still, he, he isn't anymore, um, obviously with Jeff Bezos, but um, who was once the richest person in the world and made all of his money off of Microsoft, obviously, who you can see what that person is doing with all of that money. And that's something that people need to see. So I definitely recommend going and watching it. So in a world of doom and gloom or going to war with Iran, the Fed is inflating your money away. Um, You can't uh, get the potholes fixed in your street. Education (laughs) sucks. The country's bankrupt. There's still good things happening around the world, and that's what this. I think that's what this show is going to be about today. It's a, it's a good news Monday show. It is. It's a good. I news, like this. It's a good news show, and it also helps us in our endeavor to talk about the good things that capitalism can do around the world. Capitalism, capitalism is morality. Boom. Boom. Said it. That's we like. Can, uh, have you guys seen that movie Blades of Glory? I have. Yeah. Chaz. <laughs> Chaz Michael Michaels is is figure, figure skating. skating. <laughs> Boom. And capitalism is morality. So those things are interchangeable. It is. It really is. At free market capitalism. There's the crony capitalism that I think gets a lot of play in the media all the time, or that these uh, demagoguing politicians could go around talking about all the time. They are talking about crony capitalism, where where people with money are using that money to stifle competition or to gain power over other people. To buy tyranny, yeah. basically. Yeah, to buy <laughs> regulations, to buy new laws all the time. So that's crony capitalism. This free market capitalism, where you can only make your money by providing something that someone deems valuable. Well, if you make a lot of money, if you're worth a lot of money in a free market capitalist system, then you've provided at least that much value, if not more, to society. So when we see these people like Bill Gates, who has a lot of money, then when I see that, I'm like, wow, that guy has provided a lot of value, and he continues to provide a lot of value. Now, 
they started this pledge, this billionaire pledge, where they're trying to get billionaires to pledge uh, about half of their wealth to doing philanthropic works around the world. And they've done this foundation, and and, uh, Warren Buffett is the other person who's very heavily invested in this foundation. So uh, Bill Gates has put in about $28 billion into this Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and then Warren Buffett has pledged half of his net worth, about $35 billion, to this foundation. And what they're doing, which maybe you've seen some media coverage about this, uh, but they're trying to eradicate some diseases around around the world. That's like one of the main things that they're doing. They're starting with polio, and they've almost done it. They've almost completely done it. That's what a lot of the documentary was about, actually. So... They've almost completely eradicated polio. I think um, the latest figures were something like 35 reported new cases in the world of polio. Something at one point in time, you know, hundreds of thousands of people had. Um, and if you don't know about polio, it's a debilitating, devastating, deadly disease. Yeah, it's a basically paralysis. I mean, you, you're born with a paralysis so it's paralysis so far to where like you have trouble breathing yeah it can go all the way up to your to your lungs and you can't breathe diaphragm no longer works and And so we eradicated it i think the last reported case in the u.s was 1995 or something like that it's been completely gone since then Mm -hmm. thanks by the way to vaccinations in part yeah yeah even if you think bad things about vaccinations i think we can say that overall they have been a net benefit to our society Mm -hmm. i I don't think that can be disputed really i'm no medical doctor but just if you just read your history just a little bit yeah things used to be way worse a lot worse, especially medically there's been a lot of advances in medical medical science so they're trying to do this in some of the poorer countries and they're focusing on they're focusing in africa and i think mainly it was in nigeria they're spending a lot of their time because that was the uh the highest percentage of population or that's where a lot of the cases were coming from so they focus a lot of money in nigeria now they're fighting polio they're fighting um they said babies are still dying from from diarrhea in in Africa, like literally, like here, dehydration. Yeah, dehydration. So in here, you know, we can we can take some meds for it, and we can get over it. And we have plen- Pedialyte. Yeah, and- plenty of water. We can drink our Pedialyte and our electrolytes, and and take some, you know, whatever medication helps you stop having diarrhea. I don't know what that would be. Imodium. Yeah, imodium, something mm-hmm. like that. So you can take some medications and get. But in Africa, when you get diarrhea, especially as a child. Um, you're you have a good chance of dying so it's something that we kind of take for granted here there he's trying to eradicate malaria next which is uh coming up so they're almost to zero cases on polio and then they're focusing on malaria which is um which is something that still a, a lot of people die from i mean that's something that like a million people die from a mm-hmm. year in the world africa so, south america it's very deadly disease. And still people in the U.S. that get malaria, yeah. too. I mean, it's not been eradicated anywhere, but that's that's his next focus. So they've been focusing a lot of time and effort on these uh, on fighting these diseases. And then I don't know if you remember the news story a couple of years ago where he did the uh, he did the presentation and he brought out a jar of poop with him. <laughs> feces human no, feces no, so i don't remember that so bill gates had a jar just imagine like a mason jar and it had and it had human feces in it somebody so, defecated in the jar into the jar yeah i don't know who pulled that duty but no <laughs> but um you know it's was I it like know, a solid piece it was of poop fairly like, solid i think they i think they 
uh, went number one in it too. It was number one and two in the jar. Oh wow! Okay, it didn't look good. Basically, mm. didn't did not look good. Um, so anyway, he's trying to reinvent the toilet right now, and because one of the things they have in a lot of these developing nations is they don't have uh, they don't have efficient sewage systems. They don't have efficient sanitation. Um, a lot of people are still going to the bathroom in holes in the ground, or they're going into buckets, and then they dump the buckets literally into the same water source where they get their drinking water. Um, so a lot of these diseases are going around. So he's trying to reinvent the toilet. So he hosted this competition and offered $7 million to whoever won, where basically these different programs from different technical colleges and, and all these places tried to reinvent a new toilet that didn't use water, and uh, would clean the would clean the feces to the point that it would create drinkable water after after it from 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 the poo okay. from the poo yeah actually shows him drinking water from one of them uh, Bill Gates one of the richest people in the world drinking water that uh, just came from from other people's uh, poo, poo toilet bowel water. movements so um, so anyway did somebody win <laughs> yeah they've. They've created one uh, that they're trying to implement. The problem is it's really expensive. He wants to get the right now. I think the cost was about fifty thousand dollars per toilet. Oh wow! Yeah, so he said that they have to find a way to get that down to five hundred dollars per toilet. So anyway, he's out there putting all this money to good use. Is is basically what I'm saying. And some people, when they're talking about when they think about that or they watch this documentary. Maybe they're thinking something along the lines of, well, good. He should be. He should, you know, all that. He's got all that money. It's on him to do this. And when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, where would we be? What would we be doing if it weren't for capitalism and creating all of this value that created all the value that Bill Gates has that allows him to go over here and try to eradicate these diseases? I mean, you're talking, if he eradicates malaria there's still there's about a million people a year dying from that uh, just over a, a normal person's lifespan there could be 70 million 80 million people die from malaria and you're talking about bill gates being able to use some of his massive net worth to go over there and fight some of these diseases and so documentaries like this information like this i think is something that we can point to when we're talking about capitalism and how it can save people uh, because he's putting it in the practice right now. I actually think both sides might be a little bit right. Because, you you know, you remember Spider-Man? Yeah, With yeah. great power comes great responsibility. True, true. So with him having all this money and having all this wealth, it obviously gives him a great deal of, let's say, status and power. So there is responsibility. And I do believe that we have a responsibility to help our help our fellow man if we're able to we do i think that's that's part of capitalism we each do have responsibility to help people if if we can i I there's never been a time nate's come to me and said hey i need help and i said no and vice versa yeah and you need those people in your life right if you don't if you don't have friends and you think everybody hates you it's probably you so you might need, you might need to look in the mirror and be like, okay, what am I doing with my life that everyone hates me? Um, it's probably you. So you should do something about that, and you should surround yourself with with people in the community and people that have your back. Um, and they're they're easy to find. We're social beings. Those yeah, people are yeah. easy to find. And so with great power comes great responsibility. I I believe that part of it. And then also you're right that watching this is like how amazing is it that somebody with that 
um, with that drive for philanthropy to spend his time for the betterment of mm-hmm. mankind. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And like, I, good thing that he's got whatever eighty billion dollars. I know because you'd have to look at what would exist if he didn't have the have this money. Which, first off, he got all that money by creating. I mean, obviously changing the world with Microsoft. I mean, we can't just mm-hmm. assume that all of those changes w- w- would have happened if he wouldn't have existed. Um, so we have all the value that he created. And where would all these people that he's saving be if that money had not been created through capitalism? Would they be better or worse off? I think the clear answer is that more people would be worse off if it were not for the value that he was able to obtain through capitalism and then put it to good use. Not only that, I mean, he literally brought the computer to the masses. Yeah. Because back in the day, I mean, computers were just meant for nerdy computer science advocates and techies that knew how to do all kinds of stuff. I don't know if you guys have ever used any other type of operating system besides uh, Apple. The the uh, uh, Microsoft is an operating system, and then Apple uses... Uh, you have Windows or iOS. and iOS. Um, yeah, you're talking about like Linux. Have or, you ever used Linux or yeah. Oracle <clears throat> yeah. or any of those other operating systems where you have to type in commands and, and still do all those types of things? There's... Um, well, well, there's all. I mean, there's all kinds of operating commands because a computer simply, it, well, if you get to the the grainy part of a computer, it's literally just a combination of ones and zeros. Yeah, that's all it is, and so it uses these different combinations to produce this different kind of things, and it's absolutely amazing what we've come up with. I mean, the first, I know the first color monitor was an eight bit color monitor. I bet that and looked good. And what that means is uh, uh, it's it's eight factorial, eight factorial. So in in your math class here, um, that I just decided to put on the air, uh, <laughs> it's eight exclamation points. So eight times seven times six times five, whatever. You had two hundred fifty six different color combinations. Well, now each tiny section of your screen has the possibility of millions of pixels and millions of colors. Yeah, it's just unbelievable, and it's still going. You know, we, we kind of take all that for granted for we sure. Do. It's just like, oh, we're, we just expect this unbelievable retina display. Yeah. And it's, and we have these point and click systems that make, make computing, which is a very difficult task. Essentially, we've put all these beautiful things around it to make to where the, the normal user could use it. And Microsoft was a pioneer with that, I think, because. Back in the day, you had IBM and Apple and these different computer companies that were just literally selling them to techies. And Bill Gates had the idea, and Steve Jobs, some, they, I guess they kind of, there was this, always this battle. But Bill Gates had the idea of, hey, if we bring the computer to the masses, maybe I can make a lot of money, which it, it, people can think, oh, that sounds so selfish. But really, he improved the lives of every single human being yeah. ever. He revolutionized business and accounting and whatever you can name. Every single thing you do now uses some type of computer. Yeah. Like, and it, and he brought it to the masses to where you can communicate with people and you can use a machine, a very complicated machine, very easily. And then obviously everyone else had to catch up, including Apple with their iOS and, and all of that. Everybody had to catch up to what Microsoft was doing. And he used genius ways to get Microsoft out to the masses, including striking deals with the computer companies. Yeah. To and say, hey, my my software automatically comes with it. 
I, <laughs> I wanted to. Now that's a little bit of a um, controversial part of the. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's a little speculation too. Yeah. But. Um, I wanted to draw a contrast between what he's doing and what the government can do, um, especially with resources like money, because he's also. We'll talk about here in a minute. He has. Uh, through his investment and through obviously a lot of people working with him, has actually reinvented nuclear power. And that's something we'll talk about here in a minute. Something that I had not heard about at all until I watched this until I watched this documentary. And so that's one reason that's really important. But through a budget, just you know, uh, since they started the the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, through a budget of about three billion dollars a year, um, they've been able to eradicate a disease, saving countless thousands of lives, uh, working towards eradicating other diseases. They're, they're working on uh, healthcare and genetics and education initiatives all over the world. Um, they've reinvented nuclear power, which we'll talk about here in a sec. They're doing all these things, and they, they spend about $3 billion a year. Now, uh, for reference, it takes the United States government to go through $3 billion. It takes them about seven hours to do that. Um, and then it's gone and they spent it and you may or may not have achieved any kind of value with it. Yeah. What do they do with that? I'm not, I'm not sure what, what they do with it. Um, but if you just imagine on the scope, their entire budget for the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation right now, it's like their whole store of wealth that they're pulling from is about $65 billion. That's what, that's what they're pulling from. And it would take the U S government about five days to go through that amount of money. And with that money, they're planning on completely reinventing and innovating the way that we create energy, which could, you know, they're doing it to save the planet. Um, they're saving people by eradicating and, and vaccinating people from certain diseases. They're doing all these great things on the amount of money that the U.S. government would spend in about five days. So it's it's a sharp contrast between what people who are thinking on a, I don't want to say profit because I don't, he's not trying to, I don't think he's trying, they're not trying to make money off of this, off of the things they're doing in this foundation. Although he is heavily invested in energy companies. And if that does take off, he'll, he'll make an insane amount more money if, if they do take off, but he's doing all this, um, pooling from what he sees as a limited resource, which is money. And you can see them being very cost-effective and very efficient with that money and making sure that they're doing the right things with it. Where, in contrast, the U.S. government is constantly pulling what they seem to see as a unlimited resource, which is money, uh, from you in some way, shape, or form that they can forcefully take from you. And so they don't ever have any reason to be efficient or to innovate or to create new things, re really, at all. And if they do... It takes them like five times as long and five times as much money to do it. So there's a really strong contrast between what he's able to do with a <laughs> with a really, really low amount of money and what the United States government, who's, you know, spending like a thousand times more money per year than he is. Um, that I just think it's important that we see the difference between those two things. So one of the things that he is doing, like I said, I, I did not realize that he was doing this, but they were working on nuclear energy. Now, I don't know much about nuclear energy. I didn't know much about it until this weekend 
And I do think now I'm a certified expert on nuclear yeah. on nuclear fission. Nate Thurston, <clears throat> nuclear fission, uh, PhD physicist. Yeah, that's that's, that's a whole title. Yeah, yep, it's the whole thing. Um, I'm, I forgot to say that at the beginning of the episode, but I'll have to go back and re- mm-hmm. recut that. You in need there. to update your your LinkedIn. Yeah, for sure. Add all those nuclear physicists on there. Yep. Um. So anyway, nuclear power. Now, when you talk about nuclear power, you have Really, three or four things come to mind that make you go, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. You know, you have Chernobyl. Um, you have this thing, which was the uh, Three Mile Island disaster. And you have the Fukushima plant that went down in Japan. And then you have images of Hiroshima and Nagasaki when you think nuclear at that point in time. And so now when we talk about, oh, let's put a nuclear power plant in your town. Um, everyone's like, uh, that's not a good idea. I don't want to do that. I like the idea, but just not in my backyard. Yeah. Yeah. So what people don't know, and I hope this, I hope this Netflix documentary gets some of the word out. Um, Bill Gates has spent like the last 15 years completely reinventing nuclear power Uh, and not himself, obviously with a massive team of people. Um, but they've spent the last 15 years completely changing the way that nuclear power works. And they talk about in the documentary how all these plants that melted down, I mean, these plants and a lot of the ones that we are, are still operating right now, they were built on like slide rule technology, like not even like barely computer technology. And they rely on people uh, running them perfectly so nothing bad happens. And we don't really have any new power plants that are going up with any kind of new technologies. So they've been they've been working on developing this this new way to create uh, nuclear power. And I didn't really know the numbers on nuclear power, but in contrast with solar, uh, just so you know, uh, solar power the cost per kilowatt hour is about ten times the cost of what nuclear power is. Even though it's it costs a lot of money to get a nuclear power plant up and running, the costs after it's up and running are like bare minimum because it's it kind of uh you know, it, it just kind of keeps running itself for a long time. So nuclear power doesn't have any emissions. So when talking about climate change, and we see all this stuff last week going on with climate change. We did our our podcast on them putting the kids up before Congress and having them uh, give speeches on climate change. We have these big this climate strike happen and everything. One thing that we can do is first honestly ask ourselves whether or not we think that climate change could possibly be a real thing. You know, I think that's the first honest question you have to ask yourself. Do you think that it it is potentially a problem? And my answer would be yes. I do think it could be a potential problem. Now, that potential problem has to be rationally and logically weighed with the problems that would come from destroying your economy and pushing yourself and pushing yourself over to completely clean energy. So, while I do think it could be a problem, we also have to consider the economic the, the economic costs, not just the potential climate costs in either direction. That's something that 
you know, people on the left don't really do. They don't really, they're not considering the economics of it whatsoever. They're, you know, you can have AOC go out there and say, we're, we need to spend $92 trillion on converting everything to clean energy. It's fine if everyone starves to death. Yeah, yeah, sure. We, at least <laughs> we won't have really bad storms in 10 years. Like, right. that's, that's kind of where they're at. They're not thinking about, okay, let's just say some people are dying every year from something to do with our climate and it's man-made. Well, bad economics also kills a lot of people. That's You're talking about starvation and just mass poverty worldwide. You end up having third world countries where they don't have vaccines and don't have diseases eradicated that we have eradicated. So a lot of people can die from bad economics. A lot of people. So they seem to only pay attention to one side of it. So when I say, sure, climate change could be a problem, and if we can do something about it, then let's let's see if we can do something about it and it also be economically viable at the same time. You know, that that's important. Right. I came, I was looking for this clip. I couldn't find it. I was, somebody had shared something from uh, The Blaze and Glenn Beck was, had this clip of one of the, I think one of the presidential candidates that was at a town hall or something like that, where a student had asked her, um, what's your problem with nuclear energy? And she just like, she didn't have an answer for it. She just didn't care. Yeah. She was just like, well, nuclear is uh, bad. Yeah. Like basically was her answer. I wish I had the clip because it's absolutely hilarious and I couldn't find it. Yeah. That's it. But they just, they, they, what it shows to me is that those in the political climate, again, don't care. Yeah. They don't care about you whatsoever. They're pushing an agenda. I like that political climate, by the way. I'm going to push for political climate change in one of our <laughs> yes. articles sometime. That's a climate change we can all believe in. Let's see. Political sounds like a new t-shirt, too. Climate change. Okay. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, go to goodmorningliberty.us slash shop. We'll have the shirt up this week. <laughs> political climate change uh, movement we can all get behind. T-shirt. Um, that sounds like a good Facebook yeah. page, too. Yeah. So... Um, Anyway, what I was going on about is that no one in government actually cares about you. If climate change is real, which we don't even know if it is, but if there is an actual issue, if we've developed something or somebody has developed something that actually takes care of the issue that's safer than anything else that we have that's economically viable and no one in government is talking about it, it just goes to show that everyone is out in, in government. Everyone in government is out for their own special interest. Yeah, almost every single one of them, and people like AOC and and most of your Democratic left. A lot of them are backed by the solar and wind companies. These alternative energy companies. A lot of them um, have lobbyists as well, just like any other corporation does, and they're vying for their political power gain, their piece of the tyranny, where they can pass regulations and and uh, switch the economy in their favor because obviously uh, solar technologies and things like that, they're, they're five times as expensive. And so it's not economically viable for them to win in the market without some kind of government rules. And so that's exactly what these people are trying to do with things like the green new deal, spending $92 trillion. Like, Oh, we got this unlimited cash resource from the government. What was, we need to get our piece. Yeah. Right. And so, and in fact, I think the Obama era, era subsidized several solar yeah, companies uh, with billions of dollars, and most of them went bankrupt, yeah. by the way. 
Um, they couldn't even survive after that. Obviously, uh, Solyndra comes up whenever you, yeah, whenever you talk about that. So, yes. um, a couple things you said there, uh, big points. Political um, climate change. That's a big one, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so I noticed kind of the same thing you just said, where it's you notice the politicians and people in the government are not pushing for an answer, especially those on the left, but they're not pushing for an answer that does not involve massively growing the size of government and increasing taxes and giving more power over to the government. They're not going to, they're not even talking about a solution that might not involve that. And so that's where you can kind of see the problem. And the other thing you said, the solar industry is backing these, these people, you know, I think it's interesting. It's confusing. Um, so many people can notice the fact that oil industries just think the fossil fuel industry is paying for legislation and lobbyists and all this, all these kind of evil oil companies, you know, all the bad things they're doing behind the scenes. And a lot of people would agree that that's probably true that there are a lot of people behind the scenes in the oil and gas industry that are buying and selling politicians all the time to get different regulations written. I, I don't know if you'd meet anyone that would not say that that's true. Why then does that not transfer over to people that also own solar and wind companies, wind turbines, solar panel companies? You know, Do you think that because a person owns a solar panel company, that they're somehow a more morally justifiable person, that their potential greed is not the same as the person in the oil industry, that they're not going to manipulate people and manipulate data and try to push the political climate in their direction, the political winds in their direction. They absolutely are. So it's exactly what they're doing. I've said before, we talk about a big oil being behind the wars in the Middle East well, there's a whole lot of deserts and a whole lot of sun out there. Like it, you're telling me that in 50 years we're not going to be saying, "Oh, another war in the Middle East." That's just big solar for you. You know, <laughs> there they are. They're always paying for us to get these wars because they want to control all the deserts so they can put all their solar panels out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing. They're still just people running companies, and since the government has power over the economy, then the people who are in the economy are going to try to have power over the government. So it's. It's always weird to me that that these same people who will talk all these theories about how big oil and big natural gas and all these people are controlling the politicians, that they don't also realize that the same thing is going to happen with solar and wind. And the solution is to give the government more power to be bought. No, no, that's, that's not the, it. That's the problem, is and that's what you're doing with this, with for advocating for the policies that the the people. Let's say mainly on the left, but also on the right, both sides of the aisle are just advocating for more government control and power. You're just making the situation worse. That's all you're doing. One thing on the, I was talking about the safety of nuclear power. Um, you know, we all talk, we all think about these disasters that have happened. And even if you went with just say left leaning statistics on, I mean, well, we'll just use the same, their statistics because they're the people that are, that are not wanting to do it. They literally said in this documentary that 800,000 people die a year from fossil fuels. 800,000 people die per year 
from fossil fuels so in some kind of way. Like blowups or? No, just like air pollution and diseases and all kinds of things that come from accidents. our CO2 emissions. Yeah, accidents working in the industry. All, gotcha. All, and also, so they they talk about how all these people are dying, but then they use nuclear power, something that's caused the deaths of like, you know, like 500 people total ever in history, um, other than the time with we intentionally used it to kill people obviously mm-hmm. um they'll talk about this other industry like it's just obviously too dangerous no way we could never do that no no possible way so well, nuclear just <clears throat> sounds scary it does sound it's like scary. an ar-15 so that's what um i don't think they were meaning to do it i don't think bill gates was meaning to do it but he talked a lot about how the public perception is the problem with the nuclear industry and what he means by that is that since the government has control over what industries can and cannot exist, that they are having to listen to what the public perception is. And if the public perception is that nuclear is super dangerous, then the government will continue to not allow nuclear companies to build new new nuclear power plants. So he said, you know, our problem is is public perception. There actually were tons of contracts for new nuclear power plants until the Fukushima thing happened. And then they, it's gone down to like, there's like hardly any new ones that are contracted to be built right now. Um, so he has spent this whole time trying to make it safer. And the really cool part about this, and once again, I'm not a nuclear physicist or anything, obviously. Okay. But listen to what I have to say. Um, when they're doing these, this nuclear power, they have to use enriched uranium. So they have to mine for uranium, which I don't even know what the heck that is in the first place. I think it's a, it's kind of a metal. Yeah, something, we'll just say it's metal. Something you can mine. So they have to mine for uranium. You and think then, if I search <clears throat> for uranium that I'll get flagged? They have to, <laughs> they have to enrich that to get it to work for a nuclear power plant. Now, that's an issue because also enriched uranium can be used for what? Bombs. Weapons. Weapons. Killing people. So that's an issue. And plus, enriching the uranium is really, really expensive. It is a metal, by the way. Good. Good job. There it you go. It is a chemical element with the symbol U and atomic number 92. It's a silvery gray metal in the uh, actinide series of the periodic table. I was really bad at the periodic table yeah. in, in high school, just so you know. It's a, a uranium atom has 92 protons and 92 electrons, of which six are valence electrons. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's what makes it, uh, if you look at pictures of uranium, it looks like a rock. Everybody write it. Everybody write that down. Um, mm-hmm. So the process of enriching the uranium is really expensive and it's really dangerous. So what did they do? They spent like 15 years coming up with this new way to create nuclear power from just regular old uranium. Doesn't have to be enriched anymore. They can even do it from depleted uranium. And the cool part about that is in Paducah, Kentucky, which we both know where that is. They mentioned Paducah, Kentucky in the uh, in the documentary. That was like, what, 25 minutes away from where we grew up? Something like that. Mm-hmm. So in Paducah, Kentucky, they have this massive stockpile of depleted uranium. Just massive all these tanks all this stuff that just a bunch of radioactive material over there just a bunch of depleted uranium so with their new technology that they invented they can actually take what is in paducah kentucky just that depleted uranium that's currently in paducah kentucky it is enough uranium to run the united states for 125 years off of nuclear power 
using using their new invention. So that's a really big deal. That's a really, really big deal. And they've also came up with a new way to cool the reactors because that's where you get these big, you know, those big stacks. They're really cool, curvy stacks. And you see the stuff coming out of the top of them, you know, mm-hmm. nuclear power plants. That's just water vapor coming out of the top of it. That's all it is because they're using water to cool the reactor. And that's how these other reactors melted down was the cooling process basically went out of whack. So they've actually, instead of using water, they're actually going to use liquid metal to cool it. Um, which is going to do a lot better job at absorbing all of the heat than the water was doing. So lots of cool inventions, lots of cool innovations. Um, and they've basically made it very, very safe, very safe. Um, they're not able to build in the United States. They actually struck up a deal. They struck up a deal in 2015 with China to uh, build their, new, their first test power plant in China. And they have been constructing that power plant but the construction of it was shut down due to the trade war with China. So now they are no longer able to build this new technology that they invented that could potentially put us to zero emissions very, very efficiently. Within AOC's timeline. Within the timeline. Yeah. If they were the focus, he said it would take about a billion dollars to build the reactor. Now, as a reference, you have to have 18 solar panel farms to... uh, um, create the energy that one nuclear power plant can create. How big is a solar panel farm? Well, let me tell you something about solar panel farms. You know, I grew up on a farm. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really interesting is last week, a solar company contacted my family about starting a solar farm on our farm. My, my dad's got some land and they are going to get about 40 acres and they're going to put a solar farm out there. So this is the... The next point, the solar panel company is paying three times, almost three times, we can safely say two times, nearly three times the normal land value in that area to put a solar farm there. It's, uh, it's very, very, uh, very, very well priced if you're someone who's going to sell the land to them, basically. They're paying more than anyone would pay if they were going to farm it. So... The solar company is coming in and buying this for a pretty high amount. That's good. That's that's good news. You know, good good news for sure. But that got me thinking about what's going to happen to land value prices when we switch over to just say solar and wind, and all these people are buying up land all over the place to put solar farms and wind farms all over. What do you think is going to happen to the land values everywhere? They're just going to skyrocket. For sure, that that they're gonna and the problem is, if you're trying to bid, say to build a factory or to start a farm, you're now bidding against someone who's paying like twice the value of the land, and so now you're gonna have to pay if you do actually want to get the land. You're bidding against a solar company, which is probably working off of grant money, and federal money, uh, so they're able to pay a lot more for the land. Um, you're now bidding against them if you want to put in some kind of new operation that isn't solar. Meaning that the expense for everything that you do at that factory is going to be exponential. Uh, just thought right off the bat. This is so, I'm not saying that it's not a bad thing, but that's kind of standard for what businesses do though, right? Because I just thought about an article in uh, in Texas, I believe, where SpaceX is, um, they started their one of their launch sites where they're building the prototype for the Mars uh, shuttle, basically. 
and um, they didn't realize it, but it's becoming so big that they need to basically buy out the town. And so they basically mm-hmm. sent an offer letter letter that said, hey, we're going to offer you three times your uh, property value to buy, basically buy everyone out of the town. And because it's going to get a lot louder around here and we need more <laughs> space. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and we didn't realize this was going to happen. And you've got two weeks to accept the offer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, companies definitely do do that. They come in and they offer really good money. The pro- The difference... The the potential issue I see with this is the amount of land space that solar that solar is going to need. Yeah. So if you're going to create enough energy to run the entire world, um, you're going to need to get a lot of space with that. Now Elon Musk is working on you know they have so, his solar roof company that he's mm-hmm. invested in and working with and and so if you can put solar panels on everyone's houses, then you're not taking up all the land when you're doing that. Right. <clears throat> so um, there are ways to get around that for sure, but. Um, they're going to be buying up a lot of land. So it's not just like they're buying up this land and then they've got their business and that's what they're going to have. It's they're buying this and then they need to buy 17 more plots of land just to come up with the energy that one nuclear power plant could create. Right. So it's with way less space, with a lot less space. And we haven't even developed battery technology to store the energy in the first place. So that's that's the other issue. So, I mean, I can buy batteries at Walmart. We have a lot of batteries. I don't know how many, what the conversion rate of solar panel to AA batteries would be. You might have to use like D batteries, possibly. Okay. Something like that. Nine volts, maybe. Car batteries, maybe. Yeah. Put car batteries everywhere. You ever put your tongue on a nine volt battery? I was always too scared to do that. Oh, God. I've always been too scared. I've even touched a cow fence before. Well, I've done that. But yeah. You've done that, but yeah. you wouldn't do a nine I volt I didn't to do the it tongue. on purpose, oh. but I've done it yeah. several times. Times. A nine volt battery is way wor- way less worse. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. But so. the the one, I mean, it hurt. We're when gonna I, we're gonna get a nine volt. I'm gonna peer pressure you I right don't into do it. it. Can we do it live on the show? Yes. You can hear me? When scream. we get the cameras and everything. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. I've never done it. I've always watched people do it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's so cool. It's, no, no, I don't want. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I don't want to do it. So I've always you're been way too a, scared. You're such a ba man. <laughs> way too scared to do it, but. The um, uh, one more thing I was going to say, speaking of battery power, so they made this cool point. Bill Gates made this really cool point in the documentary that if you were to take Tokyo as an example, when a typhoon goes through, some kind of massive storm goes through and they don't have sunlight for four days and the wind is too high to even use wind turbines at that. Well, basically, they would go through like a they would go through a four day period where they could not create any energy at all in that area because of the typhoon going through. There's no sunlight and the wind is way too high. So what he was saying is um, there are not currently enough batteries to run Tokyo for four days right now. And that's just one city. That's, that's just one. That's how far behind we are on where we would ever need to be on using solar and wind. For battery storage. For battery storage. Because, yeah, you can develop all the energy, you can create it, but the problem is you can't store it. Why can't we develop windmills, though, that can, like, withstand 200-mile-per-hour winds? I bet there's just, you know, the liability of, like, 200-mile-an-hour winds, and, you know, that thing would be spinning so fast, it'd probably take off. I I don't know. Those airplane propellers go really fast. They'd probably be so, I mean, it would, I would think it might just blow over i don't know because i know they turn them and they fix them like sideways like with the wind where they're cutting the wind when it's when it's really bad i've seen them do that before they turn them and they fix them to where they won't move and basically the wind is going where the least amount of resistance not pushing Mm -hmm. on them so 
I, I think they just haven't developed that. Plus, it would probably spin so fast that it would just blow up all the stuff around from all the energy it'd be creating. <laughs> but basically, we got like, too much energy now. Yeah. So this is the difference in like okay, solar and wind. That's that's good. Those are resources that like we don't have to we don't have to keep mining things for solar panels and everything uh, once they're all there. And it's just a renewable resource. It's a, a un. I mean, there's just no limit to the sun. When the sun's gone, we're all gone anyway. So I get it. Like, that makes sense. Solar panels are really cool to when you have sunlight. And until they develop the technology for a battery that can store up this energy for us to be able to handle a storm when it's going by, for us to still be able to run the city, I mean, there's there's just no conversation to be had here for us to run the entire world off of. You just it. use backup generators, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just what are they going to be ran off of? Uh, diesel. Yeah. <laughs> probably some <laughs> probably some diesel. Oh, by the way, other thing. Uh, one more little thing. A uh, so solar panels um, require ten times more resources uh, to build than a nuclear power plant would if it, to get the same amount of power because they'd have to all the concrete and all the steel and everything that goes into it to create that much power. And the fact that you have to have 18 uh, solar panel farms to create what one nuclear power plant would have. I read a really great fee article um, talking about the fact that we're not considering all of the mining and all of the things that would have to happen for us to even have the resources to build the solar panels and, and, and wind turbines that they're talking about. Like we don't have those resources. We have to mine all of them. It takes concrete and steel, or all kinds of stuff. China. Yeah, I mean they they probably don't have enough either. So it's we're really far behind on those technologies being feasible. And I was just really interested to see that Bill Gates has literally invented, reinvented nuclear power in something that if you just changed the public perception or you didn't have the government controlling everything then he might have solved the climate problem. The actual, cl- if there is a problem and if there's an issue with putting greenhouse gases, you know, up into the ozone layer, all that stuff, if all that's an issue, he might have very well solved it and he literally cannot implement it because of government regulation. How about that? That's not good. So as liberal <clears throat> as you are, Mr. Bill Gates, sir, <laughs> thank you for using capitalism to help save people. Yeah. He's proven, <laughs> he's proven the point. Yeah. He would not have been able to do your, any of that. All your liberal tendencies. Thank you for actually believing in capitalism because it's your actions that speak, not your words. Yeah. I, this is an exciting week. Yes. I'm pumped because we're going to the Young Americans for Liberty Convention. Uh, we're we're going to be leaving Thursday. We're driving up to Detroit. Starts on Friday. Starts on Friday. I think at 3 p.m. it starts and goes through, mm-hmm. what, like 10 p.m. Saturday, something Check like that. Check in at noon, Yeah, baby. so going to be really fun. Some great speakers there. Rand Paul's going to be there, I believe. Justin uh, Amash. Justin Amash is going to be there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really cool weekend. We're, we're Nicholas speaking. Nicholas Freitas is going to be there. We're, he's there again. That's good. That's the good. stars of the Good Morning Liberty podcast yeah. will be there. We will be talking at this convention. We will be talking about our message, which is capitalism just like what we just talked about today we can use this to fix all of the problems and we have to get better at communicating this this fact that look at what bill gates is doing would he be able to do that if it were not for capitalism no negative no he would not where would the people be 
if not for what he's doing right now, would more people be alive or less people be alive if not for what he was doing and what he has done in the past? Probably probably less people would be alive at that point in time. Mm -hmm. More people would be in terrible circumstances in third world countries if not for the spoils of capitalism over here in the, in the U.S. That's what being so rich affords you. Yeah. You like, can you can help people. Bill Gates is so rich, he got bored being rich. Yeah. And he's like, hmm, wonder what else I can do with this money. Oh, I know. Eradicate diseases. Uh, develop nuclear power. That's yeah. safe. It's amazing. Yeah. I want to be that rich one day. So we're going to be talking about how we bring this message to normal people uh, this weekend. We're going to be talking to libertarians and the fact that we're libertarians are generally not very good at talking to normal people i would say that's that's got to be agreed upon just mm-hmm. not good not very good not very good so and i'm i'm involved in that too because a lot of times you'll start talking about something that just sounds you know second nature to you and to other people it's like fifth nature so you know they don't they yeah. don't uh, understand what you're saying at all they're on a different page basically you suck yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you're i want to be like you right because then i would be enough most people do. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's good. Um, on that note. On that note, follow us. Well, I was going to say, though, let me announce something. You do it then. You just announced Young Americans for Liberty coming up this weekend, which I'm excited about. I'm also excited about in one month from now, we're going to be here in Nashville at Politicon. That's good, too. Another big uh, politicking event. Politicking. Politicking. And uh, there's there's going to be people from both sides of the aisle, let's say, and... Uh, we're not really from any aisle. We uh, we don't believe in aisles here. Yeah. We just believe in liberty. Yeah. And so uh, we'll be there, though, representing liberty, the don't tread on me flag. <laughs> and um, so if you guys are in Nashville or in Detroit, stop by one of those two locations, hang out with us, uh, learn some more about liberty, hear from all the great speakers that are going to be there, and see what we can do to keep advancing this great message of liberty. Yeah. How, and How you can help right now. Right now. Is you, by going to goodmorninglibertyus slash shop or go to gmlconnect.com, which would also bring you to the shop. We're giving a, we're doing a gun giveaway, people. We are giving away a gun, yeah. aren't we? If you've ever believed in the Second Amendment, if you've ever wanted to protect yourself, your home, or your family, if you've ever just wanted to shoot a gun because <laughs> it's your your god dang right to shoot one, America, <laughs> safely, by the way. And we're doing this legally as well. There's no illegal activities happening over here at Good Morning Liberty headquarters. So if you ever wanted to, uh, maybe you've always wanted one and you're like, ah, I just can't fork over the 500 bucks it takes to get one. Well, we're going to give one away. All you got to do is a couple things and go to that gmlconnect.com and you will see the tab that says, it's, it's another button, like the subscribe button, yeah. by the way. Except then you press this one, you get a chance to win a gun, fill out the form. This will be delivered to your local local firearms dealer, so you will have to go through a background check and all the legal proceedings to make sure that you are legally allowed to obtain a firearm, and uh, you'll pick it up from there. So enter that contest. It's going to be running um, until, it'll be there in time for Christmas, I believe, right? Whoever wins will have the gun for Christmas. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. enter your maybe your family and your friends, too, and increase your chances. Yep. 
Yep. Um, yeah, so do the gun giveaway. That's gmlconnect.com. On that page, you will find a button that says gun giveaway. You can get in that. So uh, go to that website. Follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty. Follow us on Twitter, Good AM Liberty. Look us up on Facebook, Good Morning Liberty. And go to goodmorningliberty.us if you want to read some great articles on politics and economics. If you guys do all of that, we will be back here again tomorrow to do this all over again. I believe we might even do a show or two from uh, the conference. We don't know. Uh, but we will decide that later. But uh, you guys do that. Hit the subscribe button. Leave a rating and review. Tell all your friends. And we will be back here tomorrow to do this all over again. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.